enemies, lovers, what's going on? My name is Brooke Thornton, and uh, I'm going to be your game master for the foreseeable future. Um, in this game, it's called Monster of the Week, and in this game, I'm actually going to be referred to as the Keeper. Um, and all of our players are going to be referred to as the Hunters. Players, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Hello, my name is Parker Cujo. My pronouns are they, them, and I am playing the Flake, Marlo Hunt. My name is Kelsey Weinstein. My pronouns are she, they, and I am playing the mundane Peggy Scott, also known as Squeak. Hey there, my name is Elise Swork. My pronouns are she, her, and I will be playing the expert Lucille Elian. Hello, my name is Madison Hubler. My pronouns are she, her. I'll be playing the monstrous, known as Alessandra Sparks, or Allie. Awesome. Uh, so, as I said before, we're playing a little game called Monster of the Week. This game is played with 2d6. Uh, that's all you need in order to make this game happen, uh, as well as a uh, number of things that you're going to add to those rules called the ratings. Um, and kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, we've got a couple of different uh, we've got a couple of different ways that we can roll these dice in order to tell this story. Now, the main thing you can do in order to make something happen in this game is to do something called making a move. Uh, so that's something the Keeper's going to ask our hunters to do throughout this podcast. You're going to get so sick of hearing the names of the moves, so we'll try to stop using them after a couple of episodes. Um, but yeah, they're, it's familiar uh, to maybe something like a Pathfinder situation, but it's definitely its own kind of game. Uh, so I think the best, the best way to do this is really just to get started, folks. So why don't we just jump right into it? So here's a cool thing, audience, uh, listeners, loyal followers. Um, I've asked each of our hunters to write down some rumors about their characters that the other hunters might have heard about them around town. Some of these rumors are true, some of them aren't, but the only people who know that is the individual hunter who has written them down and myself, the keeper. Um, so it doesn't really have any logistical effect on how the game is played, but it gives each of our players some context as to what they might already be thinking about the other hunters at the table. The year is 1948. Uh, Christian Dior has released his new look silhouette about a year prior. World War II has ended a couple of years before that. And uh, Walt Disney has released a number of successes at this point. Uh, chief among them, I assume, is still Snow White because she received seven, if not eight, Oscars for that film. Um, but you are all probably familiar with such movie stars as Judy Garland, uh, Ginger Rogers. Oh my gosh, movie musicals are huge right now. The other big genre that's really big. Uh, and something new and different that some of you might be acquainted with is the horror genre. Most of the famous horror movies of the day have been released. We are we should be familiar with such figures as Dracula, the Wolfman, uh, the Man from the Lake, and a number of other um, really famous monsters of the time. I believe the Mummy's also been released. Uh, so it's on this fine, let's say, spring afternoon in 1948 that we find 
uh, Allie, what do you think you're doing? It's like, let's say noon o'clock and you're just kind of, do you think you're the kind of wife who stays home all day and kind of takes care of the house? Do you go out like shopping to get groceries for dinner? Like what's your situation during the day? Most of the time, Allie spends her days looking out the window and watching the people live life around her. But when she is allowed to go out, she loves to take walks around the neighborhood and head into the city and go shopping for new clothes and definitely check out some of these cool monster movies. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, uh, camera pans down to a shot just outside the window of Alessandra Sparks' beautiful home. Uh, I assume your garden is well kept. You've got the white picket fence, the whole shebang. What does Alessandra Sparks look like? Alessandra Sparks is your typical American housewife. She's a beautiful blonde. Think of her as kind of like the Barbie of the time or Margot Robbie. She is your typical beautiful woman, typical American housewife with the all-American husband who is a military man. He's also blonde hair, blue eyes and you would think that they are living a perfect life. I love that. Um, is your husband home or he's off to work? He is home. He's, he's watching home. TV on the couch. Oh, I love that for him. Okay, uh, so he's uh, probably watching something akin to like a, I don't even know if I Love Lucy would have been released yet, but something akin to that. Um, I think that's the later. Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah, sure. I love that. Um, so yeah, he's watching something vaguely misogynistic <laughs> on the TV. Oh, what's your husband's name? My husband's name is Hank Greensburg. Alessandra Sparks is the name that she gave herself, but she does pose as Alessandra Sparks Greensburg. Love that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, but you won't normally find her using her last name unless he is around her. Okay, I love that. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about your character. Why don't you list out your rumors for me? You don't have to tell us whether they're true or false, but just list them out. So the rumors about Allie is one of them is she's a violent schizophrenic. The second one is she killed her own child, a baby girl, right after she was born and sometimes pretends she's still alive. Number three is she's being held hostage by Hank against her will. Number four is she suffers PTSD from her time as a government spy when she was captured by the Russians and tortured nonstop for two months. And the fifth rumor is that she suffered radiation poisoning on a government job that burned her brain cells and caused her newborn child to come out deformed. Wow. Can you imagine being in like, the salon and hearing this rumor? Like, did you hear when she was a government spy? I heard that she murdered her baby. Well, I heard she was a spy. Yes, they love to talk about me. So are you I am. I definitely am, but they do definitely talk behind my back. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, we're uh, about a half hour into some window staring, and then uh, you hear a knock on your front door. And you did see, because I'm, assume, I'm assuming you're staring out the front door, uh, you did actually see there's a, a woman, your neighbor, is uh, walking up towards the front door and she's uh, carrying like a basket with her and she knocks on the front door. So Allie puts a, a slight warming smile on her face and heads to the front door and opens it. Cool. So standing at that door, we see 
go ahead and give this character uh, a name for me. Who's your? Who do you imagine would be like? And you can honestly create whatever kind of a relationship you want here. So, and a quick aside for our audience. The really cool thing about this game is that most of it's like an improvisational kind of conversation. Everything that the players say just kind of becomes true. Um, <laughs> so the players actually do a lot of the keeper's job for me. And basically, unless I veto something, that thing now exists in the world. Um, and so there's a lot that I set up for them, but there's also a lot that they create that I can then take from them and turn back on them. Uh, so, on that note, your next door neighbor walks up to you. Uh, let's say she's like a real spunky, kind of redheaded, green-eyed. She's a little gossipy, but she does have a beautiful home, very well-tended garden. Um, she's a little competitive, I think, with you. Like, sometimes she kind of, like, looks at your garden and she's, like, a little bit, like, you know, peeved that, like, it's a little bit better than hers. Um, she does have one beautiful daughter. And she seems to be very happy with her husband. Uh, but yeah, she the door swings open, you put on your smile for her, and what's this woman's name? Her name is Kristen. Kristen. Kristen comes to your door, the door swings open, and she's just, oh my god. Miss Greensburg, do I have the goss for you? I just came by and brought some muffins, because there has been just so much that I have to update you on that has been going on in the neighborhood. Uh, can I come in? Of course, please enter my humble abode. <laughs> but Hank definitely looks over his shoulder at this point and is kind okay. of sizing up what's going on. Sure, so Mr. Greensburg kind of turns around in his high back chair and uh, glances over his shoulder. Uh, but he doesn't say anything, he just sips his hot coffee and uh, turns back to the TV. Uh, where do you guide her to in your home? I guide her to our lovely kitchen table that is set with roses in the middle of it. Beautiful. So is Allie a gossip? Is that her thing? Or does she just kind of participate in it when it's like she's invited? She participates in it because it is something that a lot of people around her do. But she all she does like having information on people and things. Okay. She never forgets. Cool. Um... Does Allie do anything for a living, or is she a stay-at-home wife? She is a stay-at-home wife. Okay. She's not allowed to have a job. Her so, husband does not think that women like her should work okay. at this time. I love that. Not really. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is your main kind of way of receiving information about the world around you, right? Because mm -hmm. you're not really supposed to go out there and get it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, Kristen sits you down, like, you sit Kristen down in the kitchen, she uh, puts this basket of muffins out on the table, and she just starts going off, and it's like, you don't even hear most of what she's saying, because a lot of it is, like, the same stuff. Like, she says there's new hot goss, and then every time she comes over, it's the same conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I just smile and nod. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh... There is one thing that kind of pricks your ear and she's like, well, don't you tell anybody else, but actually a friend of a friend of a friend told me that you know that super famous Hollywood star, that angel something, Angel Scott? You know, I heard that she's been dating a little below her social class and she doesn't want anyone to hear about it in the tabloids, but a friend of a friend of a friend works for her friend and so, you know, I have the the new kind of drop on that whole situation. And of course I shouldn't say who it is. Oh, how very shocking and surprising to me. Please tell me who it is if you know. Uh, why don't you go ahead and roll manipulate someone for me? Okay. 
won't be very difficult to do because I think she wants to tell you. One what. or two. First roll of the game. Uh, it's always 2d6. That's a five. A five Do plus. I get a plus? Yes. So when you roll to manipulate someone, so there's a couple of different moves that we get to do in this game. The hunters have a role called manipulate someone. I'm going to read it out for you guys so that everyone can know what it is. Um, usually I wouldn't make you roll for something like this, but it's fun in the beginning to get a couple of rolls out. So I do believe a five is a failure. Which is what about, do I add, get to add anything? I'm about to let you know. Do you want me so, to read it out? Charm. Manipulate someone. This move is used to get someone to to get people to do what you want, but you need to give them a reason to do it first. What counts as a reason will depend on your relationship with the person. Maybe you've given them a reason to trust you, or you offer them a reward to do it, or maybe you have real or faked authority. Once you've given the target a reason, tell them what you want them to do and roll plus charm. Uh, okay, so go ahead, you've made that roll, it's a five, add your charm to it. Plus two. So okay, seven. so that's a seven. On a seven to nine, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. Okay, so go ahead and tell me uh, what it is, What what's the reason that you've given her to like share this information with her, um, with you? Perhaps I pick up one of the muffins that she brought and mm -hmm. I take a small bite and I'm like, this is very delicious. You. Very much outdone yourself today on these. Okay, so it's flattery. Yes. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that work for this time. So she's, she leans in really close, and she's like, Well, I don't know his name, but apparently there's this real shady guy who uh, kind of works in the downtown district, and you recognize him from the tattoo on his face. Isn't that just the most scandalous thing you ever heard in your whole darn life? It's just the most blood thing I ever conceived of. <gasps> a Hollywood star and a man with a face tattoo. She is way too beautiful to be dating below her level like Ain't that. Ain't she a little dumb? Oh my god, it's just so tragic. And let's cut away from that too. <laughs> uh, the man himself. What do you do? It's like a, let's say now as we've gone down to like 1.30 in the afternoon. Let's say it's a Tuesday in the spring. 1.30. What you doing? Afternoon on a Tuesday in the spring. Marlo's going to take himself over to a little, like one of his favorite spots. You know, Marlo now is pretty familiar with the downtown area of Los sure. Angeles in 1948. <laughs> and is likely going to be having a drink, if I'm being honest. It's 1.30. Okay. It's past noon. And he's been up all morning, so... Do you drink at Lucille's place, or do oh, you? Oh yes, yes, you yes. You have like Marla. a different spot. That's the place. Yeah, at Lucille's. Yeah. Uh, Lucille, remind me the name of your uh, uh, establishment. So, so Lucille runs. It's called the Kitch, but it's spelled the way like Kitchy. So K I T S C H. K I T. And Lucille's family has been running the kitsch for a very long time. Do you put the parentheticals around kitsch, or was that yes. just for me? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, is what's what's the vibe of the kitsch? Like, what's uh, what's the interior? Who's your interior decorator? Uh, <laughs> well, they're even 
even a sign still up outside. Well, honestly, Marlo is almost part, he's part of the interior decoration at this point <laughs> because as soon as noon hits, he's in there. And everybody knows that Marlo sits at the end of the bar. Absolutely. Right where Lucille stands, wiping glasses. Uh, and Lucille has not curated this place's aesthetic at all. She could give two shits about what the kitsch looks like, but it does have a nice little wooden sign out front that has the name. It's still it's still new-ish. It is only 1948 after all. They probably set it up in 1922. Sure. So it's getting older, but it's nice. And yeah, so it got set up around the Prohibition era. Yeah. And it's still there. <laughs> so, so which is why it got set up around the Prohibition era. It looks mostly like a diner, but upon entry, and as if you watch Lucille work, you watch her open up weird-ass little cabinets and tiny drawers and lift up cupboards, all designed in the pre, like in the prohibition era of hiding alcohol. Sure. There are nooks and crannies all over this joint. In fact, most of it looks like cupboards mm-hmm. and th- holding storage places. The tables are nice. The tables are very like solid wood, brown or black. The chairs don't all quite match. But the bar stools do, and that's what matters, says Lucille. You can't have different height bar stools. That's where she draws the line. Uh, Lucille herself stands behind the bar. She's wearing a a white apron over, get this, pants. Lucille wears pants. Always. But she's behind. Kristen should find out. I know. Don't let Kristen anywhere near the kitchen. I think she would drop dead. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's heard of the place. No. <laughs> Lucille is wearing those uh, black and white checkered, like old chef pants that are like a little bit billowy, but like tight up here. She's got the apron around her waist. Snatched waist, of course. Yes, yeah. snatched waist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of situation. With, but but her top is like a a nice like polo, like rolled up sleeves, the collar, like the top button is undone, but she does look like she, somebody held her at gunpoint and tried to get her to dress nice (laughs) to be here today. Uh, And she's standing across from Marlo and she says, really? Another one? It's only my second. And look, if I'm going to get any work done today, I need to remind myself that it's unimportant to sleep and more important to drink and think, so... Um, before we go any further, tell me a little bit more about the patrons of this club, and then I also want you to do that role for me and make your move uh, for the top of this game. Yes. So, do you serve monsters in We do. Place? The Kitsch has been around for a, for a while, since 1922, Prohibition Era, right? And it opened in Prohibition Era because Lucille's family, the Elian family, has been a long, been around longer than the Kitsch, mm-hmm. because Lucille's family is really white people come to the Kitsch. Yeah. Lucille is a daughter of essentially a Los Angeles, uh, not, not mafia. I Los Angeles didn't have a lot of like mafia the no. way New York or Chicago did. But let's say a very wealthy and a very 
scummy and pushy. Influential. Influential family. Well connected. Yes, well well connected, but in all the wrong places. Yes, well connected with Dracula. With, with, <laughs> with Dracula, with monsters, and the kitchen is actually a very safe spot for people to come drink because nobody messes with the Elian family, yes. and so you don't you don't start stuff in in the kitchen. Yeah. So if you see Dracula drinking in the kitchen, you mind your business. Because Lucille's really mean, and her dad's even worse. So don't, don't bother other patrons while you're in the kitchen. Uh, and Lucille knows everybody has been working and running that bar. She's been working the diner since she was 14 and running it since she was 17. So she's been there, done that, knows everybody. Dracula's regular... <laughs> Order is a household to make, and she hates him for it. Mm -hmm. But what are you gonna do? Oh, negative. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that was hilarious. That was really good. It took me a second. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, So you have to roll the woman with the plan. Yes. So I am the woman. I am the woman with the plan, and I. Lucille is incredibly sharp. I am incredibly sharp, and uh, she's well connected and so hopefully I'm going to be doing exactly what I need to be doing or next to the right person not you Marlo who I need to be next to and uh, we'll see so I'm going to roll sharp and on a 10 I get to hold 2 and on a 7 and 9 I hold 1 and on a miss which is 5 or lower Uh, I believe it's 6 or lower but let me check uh yeah, seven to nine is a mixed success, so six or lower is a failure. Ooh, heck yeah. Okay, let's see. And I add my sharp. Yeah. Thirteen. Ooh, nice. Hey. Okay, so ten plus, you uh, you have to hold uh, that you can spend whenever you want. Uh, real quick, audience, let me tell you about hold. Holds are usually something that you get when uh, you're investigating a mystery. Um, and sometimes it's something you get when you're rolling to kick some ass as well. Uh, but essentially, what it is, here we go. When you get hold, you get a number of points. Each point can be spent one for one to get a special effect. Uh, the move will list effects you can spend on your hold. Uh, so, Essentially, uh, Ali, uh, not Elise, what's her character's name? <laughs> Lucille gets two real special points that uh, she can spend whenever she so chooses, essentially to stronghold me into giving her information. <laughs> um, or kind of making something work out for her. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so that's super great. And she gets to do this at the top of every mystery, which is super convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, for her. <laughs> <laughs> also, for now. <laughs> so, all right, go ahead. You, uh, you just offered, or kind of semi-offered, to give Marlo kind of a drink. You know what? I'll take a single. Wow. Restraint from well, you? Well, you know, I mean... Are you sick? Got a fever? Sick? Mm. sick, maybe. Oh my god. Lovesick, if you will. Oh my 
God. Is this about that one? Am I allowed to say your name? It's your tavern. You what? No, you want me to say her name, and I'm not gonna say her name just because you want me to. I don't give a damn who she is. Love, really? Love is a fickle monster. Oh, you would know, would you, with all your wild experience? Well, you know, though I may never have loved a woman, per se, there are other things I've loved. Besides the double shot? You had me there, I'm sure. <laughs> I knew I did. She passes a double shot across the counter to him. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, so it feels like, oh, why don't you go ahead and tell the uh, listeners about each of your respective rumors as well. Oh, yes. So I'll, I'll give Marlo's physical description as well, because uh, I don't think I've done that yet. Yeah, please do. So Marlo is 24 years old. He has long black hair, about shoulder length, and he usually he likes to keep it up, you know, tight. He likes to be fancy, wears a lot of hats, likes his uh, three-piece suits or uh, slacks and vest combos quite a bit, because he likes to be fancy, you know, he's got somewhere to be. Right now, he's wearing a dark red pair of trousers, a black corduroy vest, and a white shirt. Looks quite stunning with his black face tattoo that he has on his forehead. Where's an eye, because he sees everything. Um, he also wears some pretty cool spectacles with some carvings in them. And carries a cane, because he thinks it makes him look cool. Great. Is there a third <laughs> spectacle for the eye tattoo, or? No, we're working on that. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> Just attach a monocle to the top of it. Great. Uh, what are your rumors? My rumors, let me scroll down, make sure I get them totally right. Rumor number one is that he's actually a vampire, recently turned at that, corroborated by the fact that he never seems to come out during the daytime or eat food. So, yeah. He has a tendency towards arson as well, and may be partially or entirely responsible for some recent fires around the downtown Los Angeles area. Um, he's wanted, yeah, specifically in Nevada. Uh, he has a map of various occult-related locations and passages to infernal dimensions around the city. And he is responsible for the death of a notable human named Clements, who uh, was trying to do some things to, you know, further amicable relations between monsters and people, uh, but now she's dead, so... Wait, so she was trying to improve relations between monsters yeah, and humans? Yeah, but now she's dead, and some people think Marlo did it. Interesting. Okay. And uh, Lucille, tell me a little bit more about uh, yourself. Uh, so Lucille is, is 19, and she is, you know, basically younger sister ish of Marlo and uh, she has she's got like just mousy brown hair pulled back in in the most little like half half done bun you've ever seen um and honestly people most of the time just see her around with like a vague bored expression on her face no makeup nothing She's just there, and she looks about the same every day because it doesn't take a lot of effort. Uh, and Lucille's rumors, one or two of you guys might have heard these. Uh, first and foremost is Lucille isn't actually her father's daughter. Maria Elian, her mother, was a tramp. Wow. Uh, the reason there aren't any other supernatural dealers around town is because her father's goons actually hang them by their toes. Somebody saw it once. Uh, Lucille has kissed 
three girls in the third stall in the high school's west bathroom before she graduated. And she can poison your coffee in 63 different ways that you would never taste a hint of. And the last guy that cat called her in the diner went to the hospital with a butter knife in his throat. Awesome. I haven't even yet, and I believe that one. It's, un, <laughs> it's unclear as to whether or not she threw the butter knife. Okay. So, uh, we back out of this scene, panning out of uh, the bar. There's only a couple patrons still there. I think there's a very hairy-looking man sitting on one end of the bar. Could be a werewolf, no one's quite sure. And there's a, there's a group of pale girls having a smoke outside. Uh, so we pan out, we pan outside that door down Hollywood Boulevard, and um, we see a number of signs pointing out human and monster-dedicated areas of town, um, water fountains, etc., uh, restrooms, that kind of thing. Uh, we pan back over to your neighborhood, Alexander Sparks, and you hear the screeching of a human woman running down the uh, the streets outside of uh, your house. You hear like pounding, pounding footsteps and you hear next door someone banging on the door, someone please help me! And then she runs and you hear growling of some kind like further down the road. Then you hear pounding on your door just outside. Allie immediately pans her head to the window and stands up, shooting the chair out behind her, very loud screeching off the floor, which causes Hank to then turn from his chair and kind of give her a little, hey, what you got going on over there? And she immediately runs to the door and opens it to help whoever is outside. Cool. What does Clemens look like? Yeah, she's got very dark features in general. Um, most people don't really trust her because she has a very hawkish nose, mm. but uh, she has very powerful efficacy with her voice. You know, she's kind of a small woman, but with a very powerful sense of speech Love and that. a sense of authority. Okay, uh, so you don't recognize her at first because of what we've just heard about her voice. She sounds so panicked, and you've never seen this woman in that state before. Um, but it comes over you as you notice the curve of her nose and the like deep kind of unique brownish tone of her hair is something that uh, is that you can recognize to only be that of Clements, this famous monster activist um, who had been like in the papers and stuff a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a tragedy uh, about uh, her her death that you'd heard about in the news. And now here's this dead woman on your front porch. Um, so yeah, you throw the door open, her fists almost fly past your face, <laughs> just with the force of them like banging on the door. She almost falls into you. Her hair is disheveled and tangled up. Uh, there's mascara running down her cheeks and uh, her dress is torn. One of the sleeves is completely gone and the front kind of almost flaps open and she's kind of holding herself together. <sighs> there's a, a creature. It's just, <clears throat> can you help me? So Allie definitely takes a moment and she, her eyes are just wide and her pupils start going back and forth, back and forth, and her head does a little twitch to the side a couple times as she's reevaluating the situation and trying to figure out how this woman is alive. Mm -hmm. And then Hank gets up from his chair and he's like, don't you bring that nonsense in my house. 
So she grabs her arm and she says, come with me. And she brings her closer into the house and opens the door to what looks like a nursery and brings her in and shuts the door so they have a little bit of privacy. Okay, so you grab her arm, wrench it, pull her upstairs into your nursery. Um, you hear growling outside. Did you slam the front door shut? And Kirsten's still there in the kitchen, I presume, unless she ran out, do you think? <laughs> Kirsten probably let a big old like screeching scream out. Oh my god! And she it, picked up her muffins and ran away. Allie <laughs> hears um, like some sort of creature outside. Mm -hmm. I think she would bring her into the nursery and say, stay put, and then go back out towards the creature and try to contain them or stop them. Okay, so you see a werewolf running down the street. Mm -hmm. um, it's give or take eight feet tall, hairy, its fangs hang down out of its muzzle. Uh, and you can tell it is in a state of rage, claws bared, and it looks like there's blood matted into its fur. Like it hasn't even stopped its pursuit to kind of pull itself together. It looks like it's been running for days and is not stopping now. Um, from there, Squeak, why don't you tell me a little bit about your character? Oh, hi. Um, <laughs> well, that took a turn. Um, so Peggy is, a part of the, the Hollywood industry. Um, she's the daughter of a bigwig producer, um, the biggest producer in monster movies mm -hmm. in Hollywood at the time. Um, she is the sister to Angel Scott, who we may or may not have heard about a little bit <laughs> earlier. Um, but Peggy is not an actor. Not necessarily by choice, but she is not an actor. Um, she currently works as the secretary for the studio, um, taking phone calls, handling whatever they'll let her handle. She tends to get into a little bit more than she's probably allowed to, but because she is the daughter of the executive producer, people are not necessarily going to stop her. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay, and why don't you go ahead and tell me those rumors? Oh yeah, I will gladly tell you my rumors. Um, I will also, oh, I will describe her physically as well. She's very small. She, in the face, she looks very similar to her sister. So Angel is, you know, blonde, bombshell, gorgeous movie star. Peggy's a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter, a little bit less, you know. She's like... A Hollywood five, but a normal people eight, you know, like that kind of a vibe of she is beautiful, but not a, comparatively to who she's around. Got it. Um, and her nickname is Squeak, um, so lovingly given to her by her father um, because her voice was a bit less pleasant to listen to than that of her sister who had more of the like Judy Garland like Hollywood you know yeah. sound squeak is a little bit less of that <laughs> and because of him acknowledging her you know her voice her look anything like that she has never been in any in any pictures herself um so some rumors um, the first one is, out of jealousy, Peggy punched Angel so hard that her nose broke, and it is because of the plastic surgery that Angel has such a perfect nose. 
Um, the second one is she's not nearly as pretty as her sister because she was born a month earlier and never caught up, so she was a preemie, and that affected her. That's why she's so small. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is that she has a secret relationship with the movie star Harvey Kingston, um, but that he is only with her for extra points with her dad. Mm-hmm. Number four, her voice sounds the way it does because her parents forgot about her for two days and she spent the whole time screaming to get their attention. And number five, she secretly works for the hottest tabloid, giving them secrets about the studio's plans and what the stars are up to. Love that. Okay, so I'd say I'd I'd ballpark at about two o'clock in the afternoon at this point. And uh, what is Squeak up to? She is filing paperwork when I say secretary, she's also glorified like mailroom, so she has to handle a lot of just the things that no one else wants to do, so she's kind of sifting through. Is she like a front desk representative, or would they wouldn't put her face that close to the door? Her face is that close to the door, but they don't always want her answering the phone. Love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, you, uh, are there, is there any like real interesting kind of movies that are being shot right now that you're maybe trying to catch a little sneak peek at? Yeah, they're currently working on their newest movie. They've yet to, to tackle too much with werewolves and, you know, that's that's the next hottest thing that they're thinking will be, you know. Yeah, ever since Wolfman. Ever, ever since before. Wolfman, they want to do their own Wolfman, you yeah. know. Um, this is not, you know, that studio. This is the other the studio doing them. Obviously. Um, but they have not yet done a wolf story um so that is currently what they are what they are working on okay cool so i'll tell you what uh you're sitting at the front desk and these two burly dudes come in with like a giant shipment of like yaks fur or something mm-hmm. <laughs> like wool <laughs> that to use like for the makeup mm-hmm. um and yeah it's like these two like big idiots with like a giant box of like wool and they're like so is there anywhere that we can put this or uh Right there? What am I going to do? Am I going to carry it? Jesus Christ, is there a toddler loose that they can't see you? The box is so big. <laughs> Peggy stands up from the desk. It is, excuse me, excuse me, hi. Yeah, Sorry, that's what? me. Sorry. And they drop oh. the box. Oh, oh, it's a, it's a lady. It's, it's a lady. It's not a toddler. It's a full-grown lady. Hello, lady. How you doing? Hi. Yeah, you can leave that right there. Someone else will handle Just it. Just here, you want to sign? Can you, can you sign for it? Is that all right? Yeah, and she goes over and she signs her dad's signature. All right, uh, wow, it's real, real big wigs up in this area, huh? Well, uh, you, you have a nice, a nice day there, uh, uh, what's, what's your name? You can call me Squeak. You, uh, really? You want, you want, you want me to call you? Have a nice day! <laughs> and they turn and go. <laughs> Um, you now have two very large boxes of smelly wool <laughs> um, to deal with, which is so fun. Peggy starts trying to like shove them towards like behind the desk, yeah. but they're very large. <laughs> yeah, this is like if there was a strength check, I would make you um, <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. Um, from there, let's come back to, actually from there, let's take a beautiful break. man, what a predicament that hunter has gotten themselves into. I sure hope they are able to figure it out this time. 
Hey guys, thanks for sticking around through the ad roll for this episode. If you enjoy what we're doing here, the best way to let us know is to download this episode on ACAST so the people over there can see how great we are. And when you're done with that, head over to Spotify or Apple Music and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Tweet us your favorite quote, share your fan art with us on Instagram, or tag us the next time you drink an especially exciting brew. If you want to join us on our quest to find the very best coffee and tea out there, or if you think you're the one making it, reach out to us at littlerenegadeproductions at gmail.com. We'd love to feature you on our next episode. And I'll see you guys in a couple seconds. Hey folks, welcome back to our world of monsters and mystery and all kinds of shenanigans. <laughs> I want to pick up back in Allie's house. So, Allie, you have just uh, shepherded this very distraught looking woman up into the nursery. Uh, you can hear the, you've, you kind of got a glimpse of the werewolf down the street uh, before I think you ran on up there. Uh, what's your plan of action? Husband's downstairs freaking out. Okay, so at first I thought the werewolf was, like, at my door, but it's, it's not somewhere there. down the street. Yeah, you saw him, but he's not there yet. Okay, so then I stay in the room with Clemen? Clemens? Clemens. Clemens. And I look at her, very stoic, very, like, I barely move at all, and I say, you were dead, and now you are not. How? She takes a couple of breaths trying to calm herself. It's really hard to explain. But I can't be here right now, and that thing will kill me if it finds me. I grab her arm and I say, monsters are, are bad. Why did you try to protect them for so long if they're attacking you? It's more complicated than you think. And I pull back and I say, don't worry, I will handle it. And I turn towards the door, I open it, shut her in, and I just sprint towards the werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I run straight past my husband who's like yelling at me and straight out into the street. It's Hank or something. Yeah. And and Kristen is just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think at this point Kristen has taken her muffins and a rug. So she's she's like cowering behind, you know, her white picket fence. Um, At this point, the werewolf has gotten to your door. He rips the door off the hinges. He sees you, Terminator, running down the stairs. You guys, like, clock each other at the same time. Uh, I would say, though, he's already, he's on the move. So, uh, he, he looks around and tries to figure out where, uh, this, where his, uh, object of pursuit is, and he doesn't see Clements. So, the first person he goes for is, uh, Let's say Hank, because he's the closest. So this monster runs up to Hank. He slashes out towards him with his fingers, uh, with his claws. And uh, Hank takes two arm and he starts bleeding. He gets scratched across the face and neck. And he now has this gash that's like gushing blood down his face, neck, and like onto his like pressed white shirt. Uh, He looks pissed. So he, um, what's the, what can I think of that would be the closest improvised weapon that he could grab? 
Uh, a lamp. He grabs uh, his coffee mug that he was drinking from before and he smashes it. And now there's like all these pointy bits from it. And he slashes out towards the werewolf for like one harm because it's a coffee cup. And so <laughs> it's a werewolf. Uh, werewolves also have armor, so he actually doesn't take any harm from that. Uh, he just kind of like shrugs it off. Uh, you now have a, a moment here to attack this, this wolf. This is, this Wait, is for visuals, do werewolves have armor in like the combat sense, or is this werewolf wearing armor? So armor in this game is uh, just kind of a term that we use for being able to take less harm. Less okay, harm. cool, because I was picturing yeah, just has <laughs> actual armor. No. He's like, has a knight's helmet on. He's wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I hope he's wearing a leather jacket. No. Okay, cool. That make, that makes a lot more sense. Thank yeah. You. So ceramic coffee cups, no matter how sharp they are, really don't do that much to him. Uh, you have a moment here to attack him if you so choose. There is a moment where I just stop and I watch the werewolf interact with Hank, and kind of examine the situation, and I do not move until Hank then shouts, "Get him!" Yeah. Okay. So Hank, yeah, Hank turns towards me and he's, "What are you doing?" And uh, then, what do, you, what, what do you, uh... How close are they? Is the werewolf, like, on him? In order to make this attack, he has to be within striking distance. Okay. So they're, yeah, they're basically on top of each other. Okay, then I'm just going to take out these three knives seemingly out of nowhere. From your apron pocket. Yeah, just literally <laughs> seemingly they appear in my hand, and I go towards the werewolf and I slash at him. Okay. Uh... So, uh, do you have those knives like under your equipment, or are these implements? my attack? I do have claws. Okay. And I kind of was using that in place of like. Knives. Okay. So, how much harm are your claws? Um, I'm not sure. I think I have it. Claws. Two harm, ignore armor. Okay. So, uh, you sl- go ahead and actually you have to roll a kick some ass if you want to do that. So. And I also have the plus weird because I have one of my moves is unholy strength, so I cool. get to add plus three. And it's 10, plus 3. Great. Plus 2. So that's a complete success. <laughs> uh, so we have a role in Monster of the Week that's called Kick Some Ass, and that's what you do basically anytime you are trying to attack something. Uh, so we've just rolled 2d6, we've got a 10 plus, so you get to choose an extra effect. Uh, so you can either gain the advantage uh, by taking plus 1 forward, or give 1 to another hunter, so you could give 1 to your husband if you wanted to. Um, you can inflict terrible harm by adding another harm. You can suffer less harm, so when the werewolf strikes back at you, you could take one less. Uh, or you can force them where you want them. Uh, so like in scratching out towards them, you could kind of get him into a corner or out the door or something. So you get one extra effect. Okay, I would like to force him where I want him. Okay. And I grab him by the shoulder, mm-hmm. and I force my claws straight into his heart, and then I push him up against the wall and into a bookcase. Okay. So, you uh, strike at him with those claws, he takes two harm, he kind of starts to bleed like down over your knuckles, uh, and you push him up against the wall. Uh, So he's now cornered up against this wall, but he does have his arms free, so he strikes out towards you and you take two harm. Go ahead and mark that down for me. Um, He scratches over uh, your arm trying to get you to release him. He like claws down your bicep and like over your lower arm and uh, you're you're getting cut into and bleeding now over your beautifully cleaned carpet. Um, Just behind you, you hear panicked footsteps down the uh, 
stairs and you see Clements burst out of your open front door and start running again down the street. Okay, I'm just completely set on the monster in front of me. I, my eyes have glazed over okay. and all I want is to murder this creature. Um, okay, so do you make another attack? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. Question, can I pull out my shotgun and shoot him in the face? Certainly. I would like to do that. Okay. I pull a shotgun seemingly out of nowhere. Okay. And I aim it right into his forehead. Yeah, we hear like a whirring. And you, boom, blast him right in the face. Um, and part of his jaw like just flops onto the floor. Some of his teeth fall out as well. And he's like, uh, how much does, how much harm does your shotgun do? I think it's three, up like close, heavy or whatever. Yeah, I, I believe it's three close. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so he's taken a pretty hefty amount of damage. Uh, in, go ahead and roll kick some ass again. That is seven plus three. Okay, so you do succeed. Uh, but it's a mixed success. Uh, yes. So you... It's 10. Oh, so it's my plus total? 3. Tough, right? Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So then you do get still another extra effect. So you can gain advantage, inflict terrible, suffer less, or force them right I want to make him suffer. Okay, so you do more harm. Yes. Okay, so you do 4 harm on him. He's looking pretty bashed up. Um... The thing about monsters is you can't really kill them without using their weakness against him. And unless you have any like silver or something like on you, it's gonna be tough to take this thing completely down. Um, that said, he uses his response to this uh, attack. Instead of hitting you back, uh, there's this kind of strange white mist that overtakes his form and it seems like he kind of disappears into nothing. Like you can feel his form just leaves your hand, leaves your claws. Like he's just not there anymore when the smoke clears. Um, and then you hear Clements screaming. And oh God. you can see he's like right on her tail outside. Okay, well, I release my arms to my sides, blood all over my beautiful pink dress mm -hmm. this very pale pink and feminine and now it just looks ruined yeah and i hear the scream outside and i go to run outside but hank grabs me by the arm okay so hank grabs you and he's like you're not going anywhere and then i freeze you stay there mm -hmm. okay squeak hi you have can two. i use a hold yes you can i would like to use one hold to say that hank is a regular at the kitchen Hank, her husband. Love that. I don't need to do anything with it right now, but I do just want to use one of my hold for that. Cool, that's spent. Thanks cool. very much. Uh, totally makes a lot of sense too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. What is Squeak doing about these boxes? <laughs> Probably at this point still trying to push them. Um, but I think <laughs> it's been like 20 minutes and it's like moved an inch. Um, I think at a certain point, um, Squeak decides to give up um and she goes over to the phones and she calls on one of the interns um and she just calls and she's like um hi um interns all three of you yeah i know that you all listed on the same line um i have a job for you it's really important it's from the producer himself if you can come back to the office that'd be great 
you hear gum smacking on the other end. <laughs> it's like, how important, like on a scale of like one to like 10, would you say this task is? This is an 11. Your jobs depend on this one. Mm, roll the manipulate. Okay. <laughs> manipulate is plus charm? Charm. Oh, I have a plus two. Okay. That would be nine. Okay, so I would say the reason that you're giving them is this is a super important Hollywood producer who you also happen to be related to. Yeah. <laughs> so that seems good enough to me. And uh, what was the total? Nine. Okay. Um, I'll sprinkle in a... Um... So yeah, don't do it. You have to show them right now that you mean it. Oh, okay. Um... Actually, my dad is on the other line, and he said that if this doesn't happen in the next five minutes, that all of you are fired. You hear like a, and then you don't hear the smacking of the gun anymore, <laughs> and then the line goes quiet. <laughs> um, so you assume they're on the way. Cool. Uh, how far away is the kitsch from this Hollywood studio? Do you suspect? Um, since I, I mean, this is been there, but if you had to guess, to me. yeah, I mean, this is in probably one of the slightly nicer. Aries, because it is it is a very popular yeah. studio, so yeah. I would say it's, I mean, probably more than like a few miles. Okay. I have to guess. So yeah, it's not it's not like a it's not a short it's not like time. down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you see, um, after the line goes dead and you just like hang up the phone annoyed, mm -hmm. um, you see a taxi like whiz by outside the building, and uh, then behind it a very tall, hairy man running after the taxi who looks enraged. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's all. Um, I get up from my desk and poke my head outside to see if that is, um, is our, is our actor because he should not be outside in his makeup and that, that'll be my fault if, if he's running around. Why don't we do something? Oh, can I investigate a mystery? Read a bad situation. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so go ahead and roll plus sharp. Oh, what is my plus sharp? One second. I don't remember. I think it's... Oh, it's plus one. Okay. Oh, boy. Six? Okay. Uh, <laughs> exactly a mis failure? You the situation. Oh, oh no. Okay. Or you might reveal tactical details to your enemies. Is that your actor? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> Looks just like him. <laughs> yeah, that's your that's your guy. That's the guy. That's totally your actor, and he's running down the street after a taxi like an actual dog. What's wrong with him? You're gonna be in so much trouble if this actor goes missing. I start running after him. Okay. <laughs> Do you take anything with you, like a clipboard or something, like anything to try to look more official? I think I have my clipboard with me because I think that. A lot of them forget who I am. Yes. Unless I'm holding my clipboard. Absolutely. I think that the clipboard reminds them, oh yeah, that's the secretary. Yeah, it adds it adds a little bit of um reminder of, of who I am. Amazing. I love this <laughs> so much. Okay, so you're booking it after a taxi. Yeah. This other guy, it's actually crazy the pace that he's keeping up. Like this taxi has to be going 60 miles an hour. And this guy's like freaking booking it after this car, and you're like, "What are you wearing?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely in heels. Yeah, um, even a pencil, like just. Oh yeah, little pencil skirts, and my legs can't separate very far. <laughs> so it's just like shuffling down the street. I love it so so much. <laughs> okay, so you shuffle in your pops down the sidewalk, and like people are also like 
he, this guy is like shoving people out of the way. Um, and then they're like coming back in front of you behind him. <laughs> and so you're like trying to like, you know, like make your way through this crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see if there's a role that I can give you or if it's just going to be a matter of trying to keep up. Um, no, I don't, I don't think there's anything that you can do. I, I also don't think there's anything. No, I think you're just running after them. <laughs> Another taxi, we can start to chase. Starting to try to hail another taxi. Are there are there taxis in the area? Sure, it's Hollywood Boulevard. Oh yeah, so I I um start screaming. <laughs> taxi! So I'm like like shuffling. I'm not moving fast, sure. so I figured if I can yell, um, yeah. that that will help. Waving your hand, flailing. Yeah, and you're yeah. the other. Um, I'll say it, it takes you a second. You don't have the most charm amongst this group of people. I have plus two charm. Oh, you do. I am delightful. Okay. <laughs> Um, you are still a woman in the 40s. Correct. <laughs> so how much time do you really have? I mean, yeah. So, um, it's, it, you know, a couple of taxis kind of pass you up, but then there's one that can tell, like, you're clearly desperate, um, that kind of screeches up next to you, and you jump in the back seat. Uh, where to, miss? Follow that hairy man. Okay, sure. <laughs> no, 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 step on it. Like, we're, like, we're going. <laughs> yes, you, you, you got it. You're, you're the customer, and he follows. Um, so you guys follow in this taxi, and you're keeping pace with this mm -hmm. hairy man. Um, I roll down the window, and I'm yelling, Frank! Frank, what are you doing? <laughs> nothing. In it's one ear out there, from what you can tell. Um, you guys hear a car screech to a stop outside the kitchen. At this point, let's say it's mm, 4 o'clock. So it's a little it's a little before happy hour, but people have started rolling in after work. A number of your patrons don't really have regular 95s anyway. Um, so it's it's not the most busy it's been, but you've it's there's people. Uh, do you have any other regulars uh, who you think would have started showing up at this point? Yeah, there's definitely Sammy. Sammy's sitting in the corner. She's got an eye patch on. Uh, I don't actually remember which story is true. She also has like five. Uh, I just her stories. The stories about how she got the eye patch. <laughs> Good. It's a that's an important clarification though. Thank you for asking. Uh, she's got like dark curly hair, uh, and if you like squinted it in a certain light, it almost looks like purple fuchsia, magenta. And um, Lucille would never tell you this, but if you do see her on a really, really hot Los Angeles day with her hair up, if you stare really, really close at the back of her neck, you can see gills. Okay. Cool. So Sammy's there, Lucille and Sammy did their usual, like, you know, are you old enough to be serving me this? And Lucille's like, yes, of course I am, Sammy. We do this every day. And Sammy's like, oh, kid, you're a riot. Like, <laughs> every day I make the same joke and you still manage to make me laugh. I, I know, but can I get you anything? Like uh, I uh, just smoked my usual is fine. Ah, right, Arnold Palmer, but with like said one or two shots of tequila today? Uh, two small shots of tequila. Oh, yeah, that makes you know, a really big difference, Sam. Of course it does. You're gonna walk out of here. And then you hear outside and there's like Jesus, a, can anybody drive in this city? And then you hear another car screech to a stop outside <laughs> and the door bursts open and you see a dead woman standing 
in your doorway, which is not entirely unusual other than the fact that uh, this is a woman you were very familiar with before her death. And someone you guys have had a couple of pretty in-depth conversations about Clements is standing, arms separating the two double doors, huffing air into her lungs in the doorway. I hate to burst in like this, but there's something all of you need to know. And then three claws impale her from behind. And you watch her lifeless form fall to the ground in front of you. And then the wolf man, who you can now see, uh, had kind of overtaken her silhouette in the doorway, uh, steps into the threshold and uh, drops her form onto the ground. And uh, he looks you dead in the eye. And he says, it's a real mess in here. You guys should really spruce the place up a bit if you ever want to get any more clientele. And he turns and he actually looks at your little sister is standing just in the very back entrance of the club. And he licks his lips and turns and goes. And the place has gone from the fairly raucous crowd that it was before to dead silence. It was around this time, Squeak, that <laughs> you stumble out of the cab to see a dead woman on the floor and Frank running back to where he came from. He kind of disappears around the corner. I think that I stop and I'm staring at this dead body trying to process. Um, Both the cabs. And I look up. I look up at um, at Lucille, and I was like, "My actor's a murderer. <laughs> Why would he do that?" Lucille is not looking at Peggy. She's looking at, <laughs> um, and I'm going to use my second hold here. Okay. Um, three of my dad's guys were in the corner, like after a long day of. Gruesome LA goon work. Sure, having a smoke. <laughs> having a smoke. And they are already moving out the door, but Lucille watches them go. And as they leave, she says, um, Yeah, make sure to tell Daddy looked at Angel. And then uh, she's going to come around the counter and she's got like a towel in the back of her like apron tied up and she's going to grab it. She's going to walk up. To, she's gonna walk past Peggy and she's gonna say, your actors are a real fucking dick. And then she's gonna get down on her hands and knees, check for a pulse of Clements. Really bad situation for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's sharp? Yes. Um, there's not really like a, like a heal situation in this game. So unless you, the hunter, have a specific healing move? I do not have... Um, a specific healing move, but I do, however, have a haven. Um, you do? Yes, the expert has a haven. Cool. Um, and it's in one of my secret doorways behind the bar. Okay. Um, Can you tell the group what that is? Uh, yeah, why don't you tell us about what a, what a haven is? Because that's something that the expert has sure. to their hunter class. So the expert is, and true to who Lucille is, not very great at the, like... 
moment that the bad thing is happening, mm-hmm. Lucille knew she could not do anything about that werewolf in the doorway. But what she can do is, is you know, come down here, check and see if she's all right, and then take her into her haven. Mm-hmm. Lucille's family has owned this bar since prohibition times. And you know what the speakeasy room in the back is now? It is a panic room, an infirmary, and a... And there's, you have to there's pick. There's a couple things you can Yeah, pick. you have to oh, pick okay. from a list of uh, available things this haven can be. So, um, my Lucille's haven is an infirmary. You can heal people and have the space for one or two to recuperate. The keeper will tell you how long any patient's recovery is likely to take and if you need extra supplies or help. Um, it is also a panic room. This has essential supplies and is protected by normal and mystical means. You can hide out there for a few days, safe from pretty much anything. Uh, and it is a magical laboratory. You have a mystical lab with all kinds of weird ingredients and tools for use, useful for casting spells, like the use magic move, big magic, and any other magical moves. Cool. Um, and so the guys have left. She's down there. She looks up at Sammy and... <laughs> She does not look at Marlo. She looks up at Sammy and she goes, Carrier, please, now. Okay. So Clemens, uh, if she's not unconscious, she's already dead. There's so much blood gushing out from yeah. her. Uh, and it drips down onto the floor, like um, just leaving a trail all the way back to. Uh, the uh, back to the room, but you don't have to roll anything for this. So the uh, the infirmary, the infirmary, it just kind of exists, right? And it happens, and there's people that know what to do there, right? Like it's not really something that you luck. So the infirmary is because it's Lucille's infirmary in the back of the speakeasy room, right? It's it's the speakeasy room decked out in like supplies and things, and there is a very very nice like cot. And Lucy will get Sammy to like set her down there. Um, So you follow him back into the infirmary. I do, I do. Cool. Um, And she probably makes a look, like turns and looks at Angel and then Marlo, and it's with like. um, Marlo begrudgingly moves and grabs his coat. (laughs) He looks like he's a drink. Quickly. Um, and then, uh, hopefully Angel scampers on back to the... Yeah, I think Angel kind of flusteredly, she kind of adjusts her little cardigan that she's wearing and, uh, tucks her bangs back, her kind of long curtain bangs behind her ears, and, um, kind of braces herself for the very bloody sight that she's about to bear witness to. Not that she's unfamiliar with blood, but all this... She's 12! Yeah. She's 12, she's ill, <laughs> she's been to many a hospital. It's, um, it, it's not unfamiliar to her, the sight um, that she's seeing, but it's still, I think, for a kid is frightening, especially, she recognizes this figure. She knows who Clements is. Um, and she, Clements might have even been a hero to her at some point, so. May I roll to read a bad situation to see if I should follow them? Yes, 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 yes. I'm gonna, I, oh goodness, where do you <laughs> Wait, what do you, what is the, um, the bonus for, uh, lead a bad situation? Sharp? Okay, so it's plus one. Oh. That would be a ten. Ten. On a ten. That's a ten. Okay, mundane. Get it? On a ten plus, hold three. 
One hold can be spent to ask the keeper one of the following questions. What's my best way in? What's the best way out? Are there dangers we haven't noticed? What's the biggest threat? What is most vulnerable to me? What's the best way to protect the victims? Do well, I think I know what the biggest threat is. I think it's a big werewolf. <laughs> okay, sure. So you've got three holes that you can ask me about. Okay, and this could be at any point in time, or is this right now? I believe it's for the foreseeable. For the foreseeable. It's for okay. this situation that you're I will in. use one right now mm-hmm. and say what's the best way to protect the victims. Uh, this woman is bleeding out. If she doesn't get medical attention right now, she will die if she isn't already dead. Okay. Um, and she has been picked up by someone who looks like they know where they're going. (laughs) Um, and yeah, she's being quickly followed out by this kind of shady looking dude, this young child, and the girl who seems to be in charge. I would like to also follow them. Okay. Uh, do you make any attempt to stop her? No. Lucille turns around and sees that you're moving, and she goes, good, I'm calling the fucking police. You said this was your actor? I mean, my dad's actor. Oh, Good. And that is where we're going to end this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. Snaps for listening to our, our very first episode of Light Roast Low Rolls. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we hope that we'll see you next week. Follow us on Instagram at Light Roast Low Rolls on Facebook at Light Low Whoa <laughs> Light Roast Low Toast. Same name. Bye. That's all. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.